Welcome to the Chrisman Commentary Daily Mortgage News Podcast. I'm your host, Robbie Chrisman. Topics on today's episode include wage spirals, my interview with Covines' Omar Jordan on the latest in home equity lending and how technology is driving mortgage originations forward, and it's Fed Decision Day. Thanks to today's podcast sponsor, Milestones. Giving homeowners an all-inclusive homeownership experience, including home value and equity monitoring, home maintenance reminders and how-to articles, cloud-based document storage, one-click access to hire professionals for various projects around the home, and much more. Milestones has hit the ground running, giving over 250,000 agents and loan officers access to the platform since their July 2022 Series A and go-to-market announcement. The technology is fully white-labeled, and their unique revenue model allows MLOs to double down on their commitment to client retention and maturation, while substantially lowering their tech spend, and offering more value to both homeowners and realtor partners. Time flies by. And here's a trivia question for your friends and family. How many 747s did Boeing produce before the last one rolled off the assembly line yesterday? Over 54 years, it came out to about two per month. Changing the scale, one would be hard-pressed to find the financial section of a newspaper in the last 54 months that didn't mention the Federal Reserve or inflation. Just as a reminder, the Fed does not set the inflation rate, nor does it set mortgage rates. Today, we'll have yet another announcement about the targeted range of Fed funds. It's the interest rate that banks charge each other to borrow or lend excess reserves overnight. But wait! High inflation is a problem, but weak inflation could become a long-term challenge after high inflation ends, Treasury Secretary Janie Yellen says. Unlike in the 1970s and 80s, this latest bout of high inflation has not triggered a wage spiral. Quote, we're just coming through an unusual and difficult period. End quote. For today's interview, I wanted to welcome to the show Covines' Omar Jordan to talk about the latest in home equity lending and how technology is driving mortgage originations forward. Home equity lending is experiencing rapid growth, but continues to be a friction-filled process, driving accelerated demand for a solution. Founded in 2015 by Omar Jordan, a lending industry vet, Covines offers community lenders a user-friendly technology solution to lend more efficiently, faster, and at scale. So, Omar, I want to start by asking you, what are some of the latest trends in mortgage tech? Um, I I think, Robbie, the focus from mortgage companies or originators in general is becoming more uh, to to be laser focused on the borrower experience. And, And to me, that's what will win over what your interest rates are or what your fees are. And I speak from experience. I remember... Uh, applying for a refinance transaction uh, a couple of years ago. And I had two options, you know, the, the, the loan officer says, well, we're going to, we're going to do a, a, you know, GSE loan and it's going to be about 30 to 45 days. Your interest rate is going to be, you know, 3% back when they were um, low. Uh, but we're going to do an, a full appraisal. She or he's going to come to the house, take the pictures. We're going to do a full title insurance policy. And I'm thinking, whoa, 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 whoa. I'm in the business here. I know how this works. Uh, what are my other options? He said, we can do a portfolio loan and, and those don't necessarily have to go through the process. We can process it through the data intelligence tools that we have, you know, the valuation models, the AVMs and 
and uh, different type of alternative uh, solutions. And the difference was 45 to 60 days or less than seven days. And to me, um, the difference on interest rate was about half a percent. I'll take the shorter term one. And so what I'm trying to get to is that interest rates, fees, all of that have become so commoditized, borrower experience is what really matters. And that reliance on API-driven instant data and AI, whether it's automated intelligence or algorithm intelligence, that's what's going to separate the winners from the losers. Um, Lenders are finally starting to understand that manufacturing alone doesn't have to involve as much human capital, and it doesn't necessarily have to be that expensive or take so much time. And so we're seeing a lot of investment um, into the back-end process of uh, what happens when the loan hits the system, not just the point-of-sale application, which is where you see a lot of the focus. But that's exciting for, for the industry to start to look within and say, well, you know, what can we do to manufacture better loans and provide the ultimate borrower experience? I'm with you. And it certainly feels like even though we've been talking about digitization for the last 10 or 15 years, we are at kind of a precipice where it's it's going to be companies are getting left behind. So, it, you know, hop on the train. It's leaving the station. I want to ask. You, oh, go on. Especially on the community side of things. Right. You're what you just said. Companies being left behind. Why? Because you're seeing a lot of those cool fintechs come out with these really cool um cloud-based, you know, technologies with 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 API-driven decisioning. And that's driving the consumer behavior to pay attention to that uh, versus your, I don't want to walk into the community bank or credit unions. I can do this online. So through someone else, why come to you, right? Exactly. Can you explain some of the benefits of a cloud-based platform? You know, I think... Uh, there's 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 a lot, and I'll touch on a few here. There's so our technology specifically we're we're, we're cloud native, and cloud native or cloud based are technologies that were born on the cloud. Uh, they're 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 leveraging um, AWS or Azure or, or, or Google for that matter, and the the concept of a cloud based or native solution it involves breaking up company services into smaller pieces or so what we call microservices and microservices are small autonomous services that they, they work in concert to sort of for, fulfill a, uh, a complex business purpose so an example of a microservice is um, an api to you know ship or deliver your orders or process to verify someone's uh, income on, on a mortgage document or age, utilizing certain different API connections to different solutions, um, maybe updating a customer's phone number or address. So the data engineer uh, designs each service so that it can be implemented and deployed individually. And that's what's cool about um, what are, you know, a lot of these cool fintechs that, that come out in, in, in the cloud native or, or, or base environment. It's just, it's got... The summary of all of that is, is it allows you to um, be much more creative. It's a much more forgiving environment to develop software. It gives you business agility uh, because you're not have to, everybody, don't touch the computer where you know, the servers are down. There's no such thing. And uh, the, the most important part of a cloud-based 
environment is that the core technology, your 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 server level tech, what we know as servers, um, are now commoditized. So your energy is much more focused on developing at the application level, which is your borrower experience. You know what happens if this, but that. Uh, your your code itself, and not necessarily worried about managing servers or hardware. So those, those three big things, you know, much more creative environment, um, tr- tremendous business agility, and just a, the commoditization of, of 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 the core technologies that most people rely on, such as servers. Did you you mentioned that advancements in technology will make the lending process easier, more seamless. Uh, less costly, uh, hopefully, although we've seen mortgage costs have risen over the last, so the cost to originate has risen over the last several years. I, I do want to focus on the borrower experience because that's very important when it comes to getting borrowers, especially in, in, a, in these times where volumes are way down. How are companies staying at the forefront of borrower experience? Well, the good news is, is that it's not up to the company to decide what the borrower experience is, the consumer is making that decision, and you know we we learn in the past and today that it's never a destination; it's a journey. It's a never finished job, so that makes it even more exciting, uh, more challenging, um, and you know one needs to have a purpose. But most banks, most credit unions. Um, are not doing this quite right just yet, uh, or lenders in general. And, and you know, I'll, I'll tell you one of the biggest opportunity we see uh, in elevating the borrower experience is in the middle of the mortgage cycle. Uh, you know, we're always hearing about uh, the hot new point of sale application, right? We're always hearing about um, the, the new loan originating system, uh, and and. The, the challenge that we're excited about in terms of the borrower experience is really focusing on the back-end loan officer, loan processor, underwriter, that, you know, giving them the equipment they need. And that experience then translates. They have a good experience. Your borrower have a, has a good experience. It doesn't start at the point of sale and end there. A lot of work happens behind the scenes. The borrowers aren't, are not privy to. And, and one questions, well, what's going on with my loan? Why does it take 30, 40, 60 days? So um, we have a saying actually at, uh, at the office where everybody's favorite LOS, loan originating system, is, is their next one. Because there's, there's a, definitely a focus on the wrong thing and looking within and really understanding what the process is, what what it takes to manufacture a loan and how much of that can be automated is a key driver to what the borrower experience means. I want to switch gears slightly and talk about home equity lending, which is what Kavayans specializes in. And we've seen kind of a a boom here in the last year or so uh, with home equity lending. Why has home equity lending experienced such rapid growth recently? So we started to see home equity lending grow rapidly uh, September 2021, and we predicted that. We predicted it because we knew interest rates uh, being near 0% or 2% or, or below was going to end at some point. And obviously with inflation and prices going up, a lot of that 
contributed to it. We were expecting home equity growth to go up by an additional 25% uh, in 2023, uh, year over year from 2022. Why that's happening is you're seeing interest rates on the rise. So most Americans, most homeowners have already locked in that 2.63% interest rate fixed for 30 years. Um, yet at the same time, we've got this unsecured debt, for example, that's as big as it was back in 2005 before the uh, meltdown of the initial big crisis here we had back in about 20 years ago. So those two, potentially coupled with home values being at an uh, all-time high, every borrower has about $220,000 in lendable equity, about $18 trillion is, is expected to be up for grabs. In terms of lendable equity out there. So um, I, I'm not going to refinance my house and get into a 5% interest rate, yet I still have credit card debt that's now gone from 16% to 22% because of the interest rates higher. Um, you know, you've got kids to send to school, home improvements that you got to do. So um, there's it, it's not a wise decision to go touch that 3.2% uh, interest rate. And so you go to a home equity. Uh, that seems to be the path forward for most borrowers. We're not seeing a lot of lending on the auto lend on the auto side, and unsecured debt is just a lot more expensive than it was. That's your number one um, lending product that you can put forward. It's almost like there's a lot of fear surrounding home equity lending, but I, I think that's because it's kind of an unknown. Uh, people don't necessarily know what they're getting into, or or they hear you know second lien on my house, and that doesn't sound good. Can you address some of the, the common misconceptions and, and myths surrounding home equity lending and, and maybe dispel some of them for us? Yeah, I think there, well, there's, there's, I guess there's two avenues to misconceptions. There's the lender's misconception of what a home equity is. And, and then there's obviously the borrower and, and the consumer uh, understanding of, of what it means. On the lending side, or we'll, we'll talk about the borrower side and I'll jump back to the lending side of things. From a borrower perspective, I think, well, I don't know if you remember, about a few years ago, uh, Congress passed uh, a bill that prevented you from deducting your um, interest on your taxes uh, for a second lien type loan. Uh, well, well, the headline of that is potentially true, but it's not entirely true because if uh, the proceeds of said loan are, are for the purposes of improving the home or in adding anything onto the home, well, then that home equity loan becomes the interest you pay on that becomes tax deductible. So there's a tremendous amount of opportunity in that. I would definitely do a home equity line of credit over a 19% credit card any time of day, because again, it's uh, the interest rates is, are, are, are much uh, cheaper and, and that it allows me to be a lot more flexible uh, with my lender as far as structuring the home equity loan like uh, the way I want. From the lender side of things, the biggest misconception that we see, uh, Robbie, is that a home equity loan is not a mortgage. Lenders must divorce that definition um, away from home equity lending. Yes, it's a lien on the property, which resembles a mortgage, but it's not. It should never be underwritten in a typical purchase or refinance uh, type loan. And if it's taken you more than 72 hours, to get a clear to close, then you definitely need help, which is where the borrowers get frustrated and they don't necessarily go 
towards that avenue. So circles back to borrower experience. That's that's good that uh, borrower experience is at the forefront of all this. And and I agree with you. I would love to be able to take equity out of my house versus versus racking up some credit card debt. Uh, sure. I, w- I want to close by actually talking about your company. Now that you've given me so much great subject matter expertise here, you recently rebra- rebranded from Lender Close to Hovians. What are you hoping to accomplish with the rebrand and, and what are you currently working on over there? Uh, well, you know, it's, it's such an exciting journey. Uh, at the same time, uh, man, is it painful. Just, uh, you know, the things you learn about the things you did when you started a company and you're like, oh, yeah, that one uh, <laughs> as you're rebranding. So, so excited about it. It's it's part of the why we, we did uh, the rebrand was because it was time. It was time for us to elevate uh, our brand. Uh, the, the old brand from 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 where it was, this the functional name to what our technology is and business have become. Uh, we've grown immensely from 2018 when it was just uh, me raising the first uh, series A round and, and two people to now 75 uh, people, 437 plus credit unions, community banks across the country leveraging our technology. Uh, I think we did almost $8 billion in home equity volume in 2022 through our technology platform. So it's been a journey and it was just time for us to elevate alongside our business. And we're just working really hard to tell uh, the story of opportunity for credit unions, community banks, lenders, uh, that, that they don't necessarily realize how much equity they have in their own um, total addressable market, right? And, and that lack of proper process automation is holding them back from addressing their TAM. Um, so that's what's exciting for us. That's what we're working on next. Our focus has always been elevating the experience for both the borrower and our customers, which are home equity lenders. Well, I wish you the best of luck on that journey. And I I really want to thank you for coming on and making some time for me today. I found this uh, incredibly informative. So thank you, Omar. I'm so grateful for it. Thank you. Housing and jobs drive the U.S. economy, and we've seen some housing price news this week. For some reason, mainstream press headlines contain words like plunge or tumble when writing about housing. Clickbait much? After going up about 20% in 2020 and another 20% in 2021, price appreciation slowing or being slightly negative is entirely expected and normal. We receive plenty of housing news throughout the month, and it is important to look under the headlines. For example, yesterday's FHFA house price index only looks at homes with a conforming mortgage, Freddie and Fannie, which means it excludes jumbos and cash-only sales. Any declines in luxury home prices, which most believe are overinflated, explains the difference between FHFA and Case-Shiller. Housing prices fell 0.1% month-over-month and rose 8.2% year-over-year, according to the FHFA House Price Index. U.S. house prices were largely unchanged the last four months and remain near the peak levels reached over the summer 2022, said Natalia Polkovnichenko, supervisory economist in FHFA's Division of Research and Statistics. Will higher mortgage rates have suppressed demand? Low inventories of homes for sale have maintained relatively flat house prices. End quote. With a three-month lag, the Case-Shiller Price Index tells us that home prices fell 0.5% month over month. November 2022 marked the fifth consecutive month of declining home prices in the U.S. 
For example, the National Composite Index fell 0.6% for the month, reflecting a 3.6% decline since the market peaked in June 2022. There were comparable patterns in the 10 and 20 city composites, both of which stand more than 5% below their June peaks. These declines, of course, came after very strong price increases in late 2021 and the first half of 2022. Despite its recent weakness, on a year-over-year basis, the National Composite gained 7.7%, which is in the 74th percentile of historical performance levels. Interest rates, of course, figure into affordability. Ahead of today's expected Fed rate hike, we had a little rally yesterday in the bond markets, which snapped a three-day pullback. Today's economic calendar kicked off with mortgage applications decreasing 9% from one week earlier, according to data from MBA's weekly mortgage application survey. Quote, Mortgage rates declined for the fourth straight week and have now fallen almost 40 basis points over the past month, said Joel Kahn, MBA's vice president and deputy chief economist. The spread between mortgage rates and the 10-year treasury has been abnormally wide since early 2022. Further narrowing of that spread is expected to put downward pressure on mortgage rates in the coming months. End quote. We've also received ADP employment for January, which came in up 106,000, much lower than expected and probably due to weather. Automatic data processing handles payroll for about a fifth of all privately employed individuals in the U.S. Later this morning brings S&P Global Manufacturing PMI, ISM Manufacturing PMI, Construction Spending, and Jolt's Job Openings. Today's FOMC events kick off at 2 p.m. Eastern with a statement where the Fed is, ex- where the Fed is expected to hike rates by 25 basis points to a 45 to 4.75% target range, followed by Chair Powell's press conference at 2.30 p.m. He's expected to continue his hawkish lean and push back on near-term forward pricing. We begin the day with agency MBS prices better by an eighth, the two-year yielding 4.19 and the 10-year yielding 3.48 after closing yesterday at 3.53%. Let's wrap up with a joke and some housekeeping. All right, this one's rated R, so if you're easily offended, click pause and uh, go listen to a different podcast. No complaints, please. A couple, both age 76, went to a sex therapist's office. The doctor asked, what can I do for you? To which the man replied, will you watch us have sexual intercourse? The doctor looked puzzled, but agreed. When the couple finished, the doctor said, there's nothing wrong with the way you have intercourse. and charge them a hundred bucks. This happened several weeks in a row. The couple would make an appointment, have intercourse with no problems, pay the doctor, then leave. Finally, the doctor asked, Just what exactly are you trying to find out? The old man said, we're not trying to find out anything. She's married and we can't go to her house. I'm married and we can't go to my house. The Holiday Inn charges $150, the Hilton charges $180, and we do it here for $100 and I get $74 back from my health plan. (laughs) Thanks again to Milestones, giving homeowners an all-inclusive homeownership experience, including home value and equity monitoring, home maintenance reminders and how-to articles, cloud-based document storage, one-click access to hire professionals for various projects around the home, and much more. Questions about the podcast or sponsoring opportunities? Send me an email at robbie at robchrisman.com. Visit robchrisman.com for more information on our industry partners, access to archived commentaries, and how to subscribe to the daily mortgage news and commentary. To listen to or download past episodes of this podcast, Search Mortgage News on any platform you get your podcast from.